0: Thank you to turn please to uh, Matthew chapter 6. The gospel of Matthew sixth chapter. It's a Sermon of the Mount, familiar to uh, uh, all of you, I would guess. Uh, we're going to read from first nine to 13, then we'll jump, jump down to first uh, 25. and we'll read through to the end of the chapter. So the Gospel of Matthew. 6th chapter, verse 9. The Lord Jesus Christ says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And our text for this morning, verse 11, Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So down to verse uh, 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the earth, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? Which of you can, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. Are they... How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not a red or clothed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day is its own trouble amen so reads uh, god's precious word friends on this um what we designate as our Harvest Sunday. I want to turn your attention to the Lord's Prayer, and specifically verse 11. Uh, Give us this day our daily bread. Now, note that the Lord's Prayer begins with God and his glory. So before we even get to man and his need the issue of how we are to approach a holy and a righteous God is settled. We approach God as our heavenly Father, reminding ourselves that this is not an invitation to everyone by right of their existence, but those, and only those, may call God Father, who have become by grace what we are, not by nature, namely his children through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, one of the reasons a number of people find little of any value in saying the Lord's Prayer is because they stumble at the very first word. They are unable to address God in this intimate fashion, as father because they have never come to trust in his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as their savior. And so you see, friends, right at the outset, thoughts on harvest to the side for a moment. Right at the very outset, there is an inherent and an immediate evangelistic thrust in the opening of this prayer. Can you call God Father? Have you been delivered from your sins? Are you washed in the precious blood of the Lamb? There is, as you can see, a concern for the name of God because the name represents the character and the essence of God. Our Father, hallowed be your name. And as we pray for his kingdom to come, we are certainly praying that the kingdom of God would come into the lives of men and women, young boys and girls who do not know the, uh, uh, how to bow before uh, his sovereign rule. And with respect to ourselves, those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, in praying, your kingdom come, we are praying, one, that God's kingdom would increasingly be reflected in those who name the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we are praying that Christ would be seen in us. He would be reflected in us. And we acknowledge him to be King and Lord in every area of, uh, of our existence. And two, when we pray your kingdom come, we are praying in anticipation Of the great consummation of all things, when the Lord Jesus Christ will come in the clouds with the sound of the trumpet and he will make all things new. And when Jesus Christ comes again, then this world will know who is king and who actually rules. Now, it's after that, beloved, and only after that, we come to the requests and particularly the first of these in connection with our service this morning, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Now I have a good pause there for a moment, and we will go off on a tangent for a little bit. It's interesting that in these three requests, we first of all seek God for our daily needs, which all of us know that we have. And the second request, we seek God for forgiveness, which all of us know we so desperately need. And the third request, we seek him also in order that we might be kept from temptation, which we all face on a daily basis. And in each of those requests, what we are under. Goring by praying in this way is the acceptance, the acknowledgement of our total dependence upon Almighty God, our Heavenly Father for everything. So that little tangent finished. Let's come back on course. Give us this day our daily bread, something that is very familiar to all of us, and a matter that may, we may have well considered on a, a number of occasions as we have studied uh, the scripture and the Sermon of the Mount in particular. Uh, if you do turn to some of the commentaries on Matthew's gospel, a number of commentators spiritualize uh, this verse, suggesting that the bread being referred to here is the bread of the Lord's Supper. And they seek to tie the Lord's Supper into the Lord's prayer, saying that this uh, request is a request uh, to be understood in that way, the bread connected to the Lord's Supper. Uh, It's not an unhelpful thought, but it's wrong. And others suggest that the bread being referred to here is actually the word of God so they're saying when we pray give us this day our daily bread we're actually saying give us today the word of God give us more of Jesus and of course we we do require the word of God every day and again it's not an unhelpful thought but I'm not convinced that it's the uh, reference that Jesus is making here Uh, and others do go on to suggest and again it's a a spiritual emphasis that the bread we are requesting is the bread of life so not just the word of God in in its entirety but when Jesus said I am the bread it's it's a request that uh, you know Jesus would become uh, more known to us so the bread referred to here is, uh, uh, is Jesus Christ himself now regardless of the merits of each of those three comments. Surely, beloved, the request has to be taken, has to be taken in its most bald and straightforward terms. Namely to understand it as it what it so plainly uh, states, it's a request A request to God our Father that we might be supplied with all that we need for our daily existence, for our daily subsistence. Now, if if the bread represents anything in any society, it certainly represents uh, daily sustenance. When men and women think of bread... They think of that which is the requirement of the most basic of our concerns. Now to think of it in that way is to think of it in keeping with that Old Testament passage that we read at the outset of our service uh, from Exodus chapter 16. The experience of God's people during the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness was an experience in which God was teaching them their total dependence upon him and was calling from them their absolute obedience and one of the ways in which that unfolds is through this provision of manna from heaven i remember god had made it clear to them as we were reading that there was enough for one day and for one day only. Okay, so there was no carrying it over to the next day. Uh, there was to be no uh, doggy bags. There was to be no saving it up for later in the week. And God's purpose was to see if His people would really obey Him on a daily basis. And of course, right off the bat. They disobey. They disobey the clearest of instructions and some of them stash the manna away for the next day and they fail the test immediately. God had said, if you keep it to the next day, there will be worms and it will stink. But some of them waking up the next day and the husband says to the wife, you know some of that manna we picked up yesterday and we're putting the bread bread." You know, knock up some breakfast from it. And she goes to the bread bin, lifts it lid off, and it absolutely stinks to the high heaven. Tangible evidence, if any were needed, of the fact that they wouldn't do what God had said. Application. Most of the stink in our lives arises from the fact that we disobey the clear commands of God. The Bible guarantees it. So on the sixth day, unlike the other days, they were to gather a double supply to cover the Sabbath. And yet some of them endowed to seek supplies on the Sabbath. My friends, the lessons are clear in Exodus chapter 16. Number one, obviously daily dependence upon God. Number two, the sanctity of one day and seven set aside, a day set aside for the worship of God. And number three, the uh, the sinfulness of selfishly hoarding that which God supplies. So when you take that as an Old Testament picture, and then you come to the phrase in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, and you understand it in that way, you realize the wonder of God's plan in teaching his people in every age to trust not in the provision you see, but in the provider he will provide morning by morning we have it today don't we he says don't take any don't take any for tomorrow because i want you to wake up tomorrow and i want you to, to discover that the same god who provided for you yesterday will provide for you today and he will provide for you tomorrow Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There's no shadow of turning with him. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. And that's why God gave them instructions to keep an number of manna in the tabernacle. In order that the people of God might come and say, that's a reminder to us. That for 40 years in the wilderness, God never ever missed a single day in giving us our daily bread. There was never a day in which God did not provide. And they kept it so that one generation could say to the next generation, great is God's faithfulness. And they magnified the wonder of of God's provision now this is some bearing on current ecological and environmental issues and I'm just going to throw this out for uh, to stimulate your, thro- your thought a little bit hopefully you are thinking about these things but to throw it out uh, just to, to stimulate thought the um, The other week, probably a few weeks ago now, um, I was watching a news clip from Israeli TV. uh, Stakeholder Foods. Name is interesting in itself, but um, Stakeholder Foods is an Israeli-based biotech company. We know there's loads of them, Alistair worked for for one of them, uh, it was our, our last treasurer but uh, it 's a, a biotech company producing hybrid products of cultivated and plant based ingredients. The reason the TV cameras was there was because Benjamin Net and Yahoo had turned up at the at the factory, and uh, before him was this huge industrial uh, three-day printer. And the manager of the of the uh, complex said, this will do away with abattoirs. And uh, Netanyahu was given a demonstration. Load the printer with fat and muscle cells. Not, not fat and muscle tissue. Fat and mus- muscle Cells. Select your type of steak sirloin, t-bone, ribeye whatever. Press print and your steak is ready in less than a minute. And the printer popping out tons of this stuff. Fascinating. Fascinating that this can be done. The manager explained to Netanyahu, you know, when a calf is born, it takes two years for it to grow, during which it pollutes the world. So was this really about feeding the hungry? You know, when you read around their arguments for net zero, part of the problem is cows as well as cars. So get rid of cows. But that that aside, you might disagree with me on that. that. But Netanyahu jumped in and he said, So no land, no water, no carbon footprint, no emissions. That's correct, says the manager. I'm just saying, think about that from a biblical perspective and how God provides and the means through which God provides. The Birdseye Channel on YouTube has a series of short ads where a child teaches an adult not the adult teaching the child, the other way around but the end of the ad has the tagline welcome to the plant age. It's as if a paradigm shift has uh, taken place, not just a market choice. Now please don't Misunderstand me. There's nothing. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with having a plant-based food. You know, having a choice at Morrison's or Tesco's or Sainsbury's or wherever. But this is being pushed as more than just consumer choice. This is ideologically driven. Like from a Christian perspective. I think at least we need to be thinking and talking about these issues. You know, is it is it simply a First Corinthians 8 issue made offered to idols? Is it just a matter of conscience? Or is it something darker that strikes at the very heart of God as provider? Now, you could say, well, Billy, God could use these means to provide. Yes, but always throw in the but. Because I'm sure when you look at these arguments and the voices that are crying out about the world's resources, as I do, you know, the fear that's generated, the climate hysteria, the irrational drive to net zero, comes from, I would argue, a satanically driven religion that is fundamentally opposed to almighty God, the creator that we read about in Genesis 1 through 11. The God who created the world, the God who sustains the world, the God who gives the harvest when we plough the fields and scatter the good seed on the land. So asking God to give us this day our daily bread sums up our basic material needs. Now, do you find it interesting that this comes first in the request? Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. If we had composed this prayer ourselves, would we have put this first on the list? We probably would have been saying, no, we need to put something a wee bit more holier than that first on the list. But Jesus says, when you pray, say, give us this day our daily bread. Why? Well, beloved, because God the Father cares about our personal, practical, material issues. You got that? God our Father cares about, he's interested in, he's concerned about our personal, practical, material issues. Jesus makes that perfectly clear later in the chapter when he admonishes his disciples for worrying about what they're going to wear what they're going to eat and he says the Gentiles they worry about those things they run after all of those things but your heavenly father knows exactly what you need therefore verse 33 seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness father father Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You take care of my things, says Jesus, and I'll take care of your things. And friends, the whole Bible is replete with this. You know, J. B. Phillips paraphrases first Peter five, verse uh, seven. As you know the uh, New King James translates it, casting all your care upon him because God cares for you. Phillips paraphrases it, you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, for you are his personal concern. You can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon your God, our God. For you are his personal concern. And as you have come to worship this morning, perhaps beleaguered, perhaps disenfranchised, perhaps dreadfully disappointed by an individual or a friend or a colleague or a boss, maybe even disappointed in God because of a promise that appears to be unfulfilled, but you're feeling alienated and sidelined by a fence of everyday life. Well, beloved, you can write down and feel confidence in the fly leaf of your Bible I am God's personal concern. You know, if we, being earthly, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more? will our heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask of him father give us this day our daily bread therefore we may approach god in confidence asking that he may give to us all that is necessary for our lives in order that we might embrace him as our heavenly father and that we may hallow his uh, holy name in order that we might seek to understand all that it means uh, for his kingdom to come and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven beloved god knows our needs and god is able to distinguish between needs and desires what we may regard as a requirement he may see as superfluous to what's our best Or for our best. You know the writer of the Proverbs. Understanding the distinction. Between what we may desperately long to acquire. And so desperately need. Us. With great wisdom. He asks in Proverbs 30 verses 8 and 9. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me. In other words. Don't make me really rich. Don't make me really poor. Just give me my daily bread. Why? Verse 9. Lest I be fool and deny you. And say who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of the Lord. No wonder the writer of the Proverbs is called such a, a wise man. Give me neither riches nor poverty. The one make me so affluent that I give the impression that I made myself and uh, you know I don't need God to provide for any of my daily needs. The other might make me so desperately impoverished that I may go out and start stealing stuff from the back of cars and then that would dishonor the name of God. So Lord, would you keep me on an even keel? So I'm praying this way We remind ourselves on this Harvest Sunday, our Father knows our needs. Father knows best. And also our Heavenly Father wants us to share what we have. Hence, we give to the appeal to Sri Lanka. Hence, we are giving our offering today to India Hope and Wycliffe. Because our Heavenly Father wants us to share what we have. My friends, surely that's the significance of this being in the plural. This doesn't say, give me this day my bread, but give us this day our daily bread. And you say, well, Billy, you know, that's just simply a corporate emphasis that we're all in it together. Yeah, of course. So I wouldn't disagree with you. But surely there's something else here. And it's this. Whatever you give me is ours and come on you're not saying to your heavenly father you, you just give it to me did you so that I could stash it away so that I could look at it and parade it so that I could gorge myself on it do I do we have responsibility beyond ourselves and the answer is yes we have a responsibility beyond ourselves. Those who have, who have been endowed with gifts, those who have received much, have a responsibility too for those who do not have. Both personally and familiarly and economically and societally and nationally. You know, you, you read your Bibles. God says, You pray, give us today our daily bread. I'll make sure you have what is essential for you. I will distinguish for you between needs and wants. And I will give you this in the awareness of the fact that to whom much is given, much will be required. And the reason that God gives us all what we need, and then and then some is so that we can give it to others, not so that we can, you know, hoard it for ourselves. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and 8, let each one of us give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency and all things, may have an abundance for every good work. My friends, I don't think there can be anything clearer than that. God says in response to our prayer that he makes all grace abound to us so that in all things, at all times, having all that we need, I will be able to abound in every other good work. That's what James picks up on in chapter 2. Jim says, uh, you tell me you're a good Christian. You tell me that you have faith. You tell me that you're a real Bible-believing Christian and that you honor God and that you've been biblically baptized and your faith is really exemplary. You tell me all of that. Well, let me ask you a question. What good is it, my dear brothers, my dear sisters, what good is it? If a man claims to have faith but does not have deeds, can such save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without, without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about this. Is it any good? The answer is not at all. So, do we think for one moment that the prayer here is driven by Selfishness, in order that we may amass, that we may accrue to ourselves, that with which we may line our own nest and secure ourselves against all the advances, all the advances and ravages of a, work that, uh, of a world that intimidates us and threatens us. Or is it not that we are supposed to enter into the benefit of what God has provided for us, in order that we might? share that benefit with others. Now, those of us who have been made particularly prosperous in the world by the standards of those in Sri Lanka, those of us who have been provided for richly in this life, we have a great privilege and a unique responsibility. And that's what the Bible, exactly what the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. So you should have your marker in that passage that we read earlier. And I said I was going to turn it to you later in the service. 1 Timothy six seventeen. Command those who are rich in this present age, those who not only have their their daily bread, but also have more than that, Command those who are rich in this present age. Those who not only have a suit of clothes but have other suits of clothes. Those who not only have means of transportation but the ability to transport others. Those who not only have enough to be able to pay their bills but also to meet the needs of others who cannot pay their bills. Those who not only have money in the bank but actually have Significant resources stashed away all over the place. Command those. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or arrogant or to put their trust in uncertain riches. You know, don't go to the FT Index first thing in the morning and say, great, the shares are up. You know, the birds are singing. Sun's out. Blue sky. Wonderful day great to be alive in the universe and then the afternoon it drops 500 points the day becomes sore and you're ready to jump out the window do you not put your trust second part of verse 17 do you not put your trust in wealth which is so uncertain but trust in God who gives us richly all things to enjoy you know friends God is not a cosmic killjoy he is not a, about, you know, introducing us to some horrible existence, you know, where we just sit around and coarse her shirts and count the last few beans that we have and push a few of those beans in the direction of some other poor soul who is absolutely nothing. And we sit around and say, boy, it's so miserable and wretched to be alive in this world. No, he gives us richly all things to enjoy. We don't have to apologize if God has given us wealth. You have to share. That's the point. So don't be haughty. Don't be arrogant. Don't think that because you've got money in your savings account, you're okay because I've been gone like that. Put your trust in God. He's given you all things richly to enjoy. Command such individuals. Verse 18. To do good, to be rich in good works, ready to give willing to share so there's the money ethic there's the principle there's the outworking of the fact that father knows best that our heavenly father desires us to enter into the enjoyment of it and our heavenly father longs for us to share it and here's the incentive for for this if if an incentive is needed verse 19 and hopefully this will lead on to what john will be speaking on this evening Verse 19, in this way, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. Keep your eye, not on this world, but on the next. In other words, instead of becoming preoccupied with laying up a foundation in this life so that we can eke out our existence as maybe retired people somewhere, really fantastic. No, we are supposed to use the wealth that God has given us now so that we can enter into the enjoyment of it and God, who took care of us, you know, when we were uh, suppling infants at our mother's breast, he was well, he's well able to uh, look after us in our old age. Is not what the Bible teaches. You know, God will give you each day your daily bread. Oh, beloved, do you realize how upside down so much of our worldview is in relationship to this? I am sure that uh, you've been given ample to think about uh, this morning. But for here, very quickly, in the three minutes, okay. Here are three concluding points to help you work out these principles. Okay. The first one is work. Learning to depend upon God is represented in this phrase in the prayer. It's not a conflict with earning our daily bread. Work and the ability itself to work are part of God's provision. If we doubt that we if we doubt we should consider the fact that you know Jesus worked. You know that although He came from heaven, although He's in control of the whole operation, Jesus came. Jesus worked as a carpenter, thereby dignifying and establishing uh, the pattern that is laid down in creation in the book of Genesis. Now, we're not to be gullible, obviously. We're to be wise. They're professional beggars. Um, and idleness and sponging is no excuse. You know, the Bible says, if you will not work, you will not eat. So we work. Second point concerns security. I've already hinted at this, but it's well worth emphasizing again in closing. If our Heavenly Father assured us that we can trust in him for our daily needs, then trust him for our daily needs. We must. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord who provides. The believer's security is not in the work, but in the God who provides. It's not in the food. It's the God who gives the food. And thirdly, the third point concerns contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Being content with what God has given us. God gives you more. Rejoice in it. But godliness with contentment is great gain. And in a greedy word. In a greedy world. Contentment. Contentment is a compelling testimony. Let us pray. Our God and our Father. We thank you for the challenge and encouragement of your word. We thank you that you are father that you are father to those who believe in your beloved son thank you that you are that you know our needs that you know what's best and that you desire for us to share what you give to us we do pray that you would help us to have a balanced understanding of all of these things to make adequate provision without depending upon it help us to depend upon you to trust in you We pray that you will so provide for our needs that we may then learn to give generously. Thank you for all that you've provided for us as individuals, as families, as a church family. We pray that this grace may abound yet more and more in all of our lives until the, the day we see the face of your Son face to face, when he comes again. Hear us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.